Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Dafnun Beis in Maseches Nazir. Corpse juice, corpse dust. I mean, it doesn't get better than this. Andrew uh, got home three and a half hours ago and, from the Zucker Foundation event. And so, Andrew, we're glad you were able to make it back before us, beat us here this morning anyways. Three lines up from the bottom of Nun Aleph Amid Beis. Uh, Barry, we're going to give you a break from corpse dust. And we're going to talk about an unrelated topic. Because, after all, we finished off yesterday talking about the corpse dust of the amputee, which was a uh, yummy topic. Now we're going to talk about amputated insects. The notion of an intact corpse and an amputated corpse uh, is analogous or brings to mind the notion of an intact uh, insect as opposed to an amputated insect. And so that becomes the topic that we start with, and that's why it was a good stopping point. Baruch Shikivanti, this is where Rabari Lewis, a great Dafyomi master, started seven and a half years ago. Bay Rava. Nimala Shachasar Mahu. What would be the halacha of an ant that was missing a limb? Well, what was the question? Remember, we learned a chapter called Shmonish Ratzim? You know, there are insects, and they are usher to be consumed. This is. We know that you can become uh, you you can become tummy from insects as well, but here we're talking about specifically the punishment of Malchus for eating a an insect. Okay, this this will this will learn Bezat Hashem soon enough in Malchus. Now the question is, this insect uh, is eaten. Well, typically when you have an iser of achila, as we've said many times, the iser would be a kazais. And this is something we already spoke about earlier this week. The Isser of Achila could be a Kazais. That is true. However, there's a Halacha Lemoshe Mishinai. The Halacha Lemoshe Mishinai teaches us that if you eat something that is called a Beria, that is a full, right, uh, a fully formed creature, then that would also uh, generate, trigger the Isser of Malchus even if it were less than a kazais, so as we know, and we all know insects that are less than a kazais, like an ant, if somebody ate a full ant, which you're not supposed to do, so that would generate the, uh, intentionally with a hasra and everything like that, that would generate the ismalchus for said insect. And so that's the concept of beria. We mentioned earlier, of course, this does not apply in Hechos Brachos 2, Bracha Rishona, because in Adam Tohen Ba'olam Azeb Lo Bracha, right, you can't, uh, eat anything without making a bracha rishona, no matter how little it is, can't even take a taste. But when it comes to a bracha achrona, there is the shear of a kazais, typically, before you make a bracha achrona. Uh, and the question is, would that, or, or, or sometimes, depending on the bracha achrona, is the shear of a kabetza. We already learned the mesechas uh, brachos, which we, hadron alach, which we review, but there is a similar machlokas there whether this would apply, whether a barrier would apply uh, to Baruch HaKrona, and it's for that reason that uh, I quoted Rabbi Jonas and Sachs, Shlita, because uh, that's where I heard it first, that you shouldn't eat a single grape because you don't want to enter into that machlokas, you don't want to enter the suffix, because when it comes to brachos, a suffix is a problem, right? Uh, you don't know what to do. That said, turns out, I think Rabbi Lewitz quoted that that was the Ramah. Anyway, uh, who, who, who recommends not doing that. Be that as it, as it may, when it comes to the barrier, 
the question in our Gemara here now is, how do you define a baria? A baria, or a bria, whatever you want to call it, is a creature. Well, Andrew, uh, if you prick a three-legged ant, does it not bleed? I mean, right, just like an amputee is a person, right? Would, would you, so it's not a fully intact person. So that's the question. The question is, do you say that a, right, a fully intact, do you need a fully intact ant in order to consider it a barrier? Or do you just need an alive ant, even if it's a little bit, you know, handicapped? Is it still an ant nonetheless? And that is the question here. So the Gemara says, when it comes to the barrier, she urin gemirinla, second to last line in Alpha and Base, the hachaser, she urin gemirinla means, would you need a fully intact Right, insect, and this insect that is missing a leg is not fully intact and therefore not a barrier. Oh, birya gemirila. Do they say that it has to be a creature, vahaika, as the rush in the very last, right, three words on the rush on the very bottom? Kevin lichyos, right? Since it's alive, right, that is enough maybe to make it a barrier. So as we finally turn the page, so we've done every, we've accomplished what we wanted to do today, right, Andrew? We say, Tashma, let's learn from the following Brisa and let's see if we could decide whether it is uh, a non-fully intact insect would be Chayev Achila, as follows. The Pasuk by has two consecutive Pesukim in Vayikra in the 11th chapter. It says, this is talking about the Tumah. When it comes to Tumah, right? Anybody who touches them, right? So this concept of barrier, it sounds like when it comes to Tumah, it has to be completely, Bahem implies whole, right? In all of them, right? I mean, touch them means in all of them. Uh, that's the implication. And then the next passage says, uh, Right? 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 Uh, or, or, so there it says, Okay. So from them, okay, Mayhem implies from them. So Bahem implies all of them. Mayhem implies from them. So that is actually seems contradictory. So I'm reviewed in this word. This is what we learned from the Bryce. The Bryce defines that as follows. Let's read inside. Baham in the Pasuk says, Yachol Bechulon. You may have thought that it would have normally meant that in order to be considered an insect that's fully qualified to be metame, right, that it would mean that it would mean that you would have to have a full insect in its complete state. And that's what defines an insect. Tamad or Mayhem, we learned from them which would imply even from a part of them. Okay, well, e mayhem, yachol miktasan. If it had only said mayhem, then you would have thought like any part of them, which is to say that asherets, in order to right, trigger the isurim involved, whether tumah or whatever, with regards to sharets, you would only need, let's say, the leg of an ant, and that would be enough. Tamadomar bahem. Bahem means no, that you need to have at least something of the sharets. Hakeitzad. So, in other words, hakeitzad means how do you reconcile the fact that the first pasuk implies that you need all of the sherets, and the second pasuk implies that you only need a partial of the sherets. So the Bryce resolves it, saying, Right, that in this case, again, as we read in the psukim, this has to do with tumah. Until you touch in a portion of them that's a partial, but is like all of it. 
the Brisa says that the shear, right, the requisite minimum amount that would re, that would represent a partial amount that's that's still representative enough to consider it an insect is a lentil size. How so? Shechen hachomet. Chomet is a type of insect. I don't know what it is. Techilas uh, is like a snail. Techilas briyoso becha'adasha. It's in the beginning of its existence, okay? Would you call that the, uh, the, the original stage when it's first, uh, the, 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 and by the way, uh, it is interesting because Adasha, how do you apply that? Because really the Shemana Shratzim are not all created equal in size, but be that as it may, uh, you know, are you gonna say that proportionally? Are you gonna say uniformly that it has to be the size of an Adasha? But be that as it may, Barry, the Chamei de Shir, the shear is a lentil size. Okay, once it's a lentil size, that's considered enough to sustain life. And then, and therefore, that is at the beginning of its existence, right? The newborn chomet, that newborn snail, that's the size that it is, a lentil. This whole brysa seems to teach you, right, that the gemirila, right, the halach sinai over here is, or the Torah Shabbat with regards to this, is that it is a shear, an exact measure. Okay, wait a minute. So that is what the Brysa says. That, that seems to be the source, that you need to have a lentil size. Now, what we're going to deal with is that a lentil size is kind of ambiguous. A lentil size makes it sound, Andrew, that as long as it can sustain life, right, then maybe it doesn't matter, that the size matters, right? But the actual, you know, fully intact limbness, maybe not matters. In what case do we say that you need a shear? Right? Remember, this is the context of Tumah. Right? So the reason we said Adasha by a Chomet is because that's the smallest size, it could still be alive. And if it weren't an, a, that size, it wouldn't be Metame. Why? Right? So Rav Shmaya is saying that this lentil size is Probably uh, his, or well, he's not saying probably, but his analysis is that a lentil size is so determined by the Chachamim is because, this is critical, the Lonafla Banashama, because they think that that's the smallest size that could sustain life. Avalnafla Banashama, once it has a life force, low. But that's the opposite way of saying it, right? In other words, what if it, right, but, right, so, so but in that case, it sounds like it doesn't need to be complete. So the point is like this. When you say in the Brysa, Shema Minah Shiur Gmirila, the Brysa seems to imply, right, and this is really uh, illustrating the two ways of looking at the Shear of Adasha. In other words, the one thing we know is that Chazal made a minimum Shear of Adasha in order to be Chayev. So you might say, oh, when, once there's a Shear, so then it's not really about whether it sustains life, but it's about the size or the, um, I say the anatomy of it. Well, once you take that into account, so then probably you need to have a fully intact uh, insect. That's one way of looking at shiur gemirila. But what Rav Shmaya is explaining is, well, the shear doesn't necessarily mean that the anatomy has to be a certain size, but it could be that that's the reason why it gives that shear is because that's the minimum shear that sustains life. In other words, this is a still ambiguous question. Our question was, when it says that you need to have an insect 
does it mean when we define a barrier? Do we define it by its physical right characteristics, or do we define it by the fact that it has a sustaining life force? So we said, oh, a dasha, the fact that we actually compare it to a lentil makes it sound like we're defining it by its physical characteristics. That's what we got out of the brisa. But what Rishmaya is teaching us is that no, this description of the lentil may not be coming to explain the physical characteristics, but simply to give you, that's the small shear that sustains life, and in fact, it teaches you the opposite of what you thought, which is that it's the sustaining of life that, that generates it as a, as a bria, that defines it as such. To which the Gemara now concludes, Tibayilach, right? That, that question of whether sustaining life or the actual physical characteristics is what defines a bria, Tibayilach, remains an open question. Okay, so that is how we're left, Barry. We don't know. So both with regards to Tumah, it looks like, and, and perhaps uh, with regards, well, I guess with regards to Tumah, it would just be that shear of a lentil, and then with regards to Achila, it, we, would, we didn't know. In other words, we're still not, I'm not 100% sure how to define a barrier when it comes to insects. Do, if an insect was missing a leg, um, what would we say? It looks like it's still an open question. Okay, so now nine lines down, two dots. We're heading into back into the topic of the Barry. Like we're back in the haunted house, Barry. Instead of corpse dust and corpse juice, now skull and and uh, uh, spinal column. You ready for spinal column and skull, Andrew? And, and Andrew is going to come out a uh, Rabbi Doctor Esquire out of this. This is like medical school over here. Ibailu. Okay, so our mission has said But when you say Barry, does that mean that what imparts Tuma has to have a fully intact skull which is attached to a spinal column together? O Dilma, O Shedra, O Gugolus. Or would one or the other in its own right generate the Tuma? That's the question. This question we're going to try to now prove six different ways to Sunday. One way or the other. So let's see. Amarava. Tashma. Shadrash Gerid Rovi Lanshaba. We have a Bryce that says that if you found a spinal column that had most of his ribs missing, Tahora, that is not considered an intact spinal column. So what you're learning here is that the ribs, in fact, which are attached to the spinal column, uh, are significant. If you have most of the ribs, so that's fine. But if you have an intact spinal column and like no ribs, so or most of the ribs are missing, so then that is not considered to be, to be matame. Uva kever, but if you find it in the grave, but if you find it falling apart in the grave, then as we discussed yesterday, then the reason why it fell apart is not because it wasn't intact in the first place. Somehow the fact that it's decomposed in the earth, it kind of mixes with the earth, right? We talked about that a little bit yesterday. Uh, even the earth three its balls around it, is generated when you're right uh, when you're moving somebody uh, from one kever to the other. Be that as it may, that's the halacha. The halacha is that if it, you found it like on, on top of a slab of marble, it would be tahar if it was an intact spinal column with most of the ribs missing. But if you found it that way in the ground, so you assume that initially it was right more intact, and therefore it would be makabel tuma, right? Because tama mishum degirid. The reason that it's so now, now the Gemara is saying the reason that it's tar in the case where it's missing most of his ribs is because the ribs were missing. But it implies that if you found, what? A spinal column with most of the ribs intact, then it would be tame. What does that 
implying, Barry? Have we mentioned a skull yet? Not at all. So that seems to imply that a fully intact spinal cord, irrespective of a skull, would be matami, right? Says the Gemara, Shmami, no. O shredder ogu goes katani, right? So it sounds like uh, both a skull on its own or a spinal column on its own would in fact be matame and that that's what our Mishnah means to say. However, the Gemara says, Allah katani. Yeah, you know, it, it didn't mention the skull. So maybe that wouldn't be relevant to the Brisa, right? Hakamash Malan, the Brisa is trying to teach you, tahara, right? That if the, that in fact, if the spinal column's ribs were severed, it would be tahor. And the other situation, right, is still something that we're not sure about. In other words, all that that price is teaching you really is that, you know, to the extent that you need a spinal column, you're going to need most of the ribs with it, right? And so it's just defining what a spinal column is. But it's not telling you, right, for, with respect to Tuma, but it's not telling you, right, anything with respect to, you know, whether it still needs to be attached to the skull. This whole thing could be referring to a full skull and spinal column apparatus and just defining what would define a spinal column uh, within. And so we still don't know, are we talking about uh, skull and spinal column together or each of them would impart to on their own. So let's try a second time. Another proof, Tashma. A different price. There were six things that Rabbi Kiva said were Tame. And Chachamim said, you know what? You're being machmir, Rabbi Kiva. These things are tar. And v'chazabar, Rabbi Kiva. Uh, we're not saying what the six things are, but don't worry, um, Andrew, we're going to get to this. Chazabar, Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva amazingly retracted uh, with respect to six of those things. They brought, um, they brought a box full of bones to the Freemason Society. Uh, the base, the, this is the, really the shul of the coppersmith, Tarsium. Some say it's like a location. Some say it's a vocation. You'll see what I did there. Point is, this is the shul, and there was a misa, and they brought a whole bunch of bones. What are they doing? Instead of putting it, bringing it inside, right, the hall or the building, they left it in the courtyard. Why? Because, Andrew, they're concerned about Tumasohel, right? They don't want it to be tummy. What the issue is, they're bringing it to the Tarsim. The Tarsim had some doc- doctors over there and anatomists, if that's a word, that were examining these bones to see what, Barry? To see, are there, is there Tuma imparted here? Is there a fully intact, right, skull and bones that you could say some form of bone based on our Mishnah, because our Mishnah... Uh, lists all the things could be tummy. Is there in fact tummy here, or is this just a collection of bone fragments that are in and of themselves not going to be uh, imparting tuma? But you know, until they find out, they don't want to take a chance, so they keep it in the courtyard. Tudus, who's the main physician, came in with all the other docs to examine the bones. Right, there is nothing here. What did they use the word? Spinal column. We don't have a single intact spinal column here that would be matame, and therefore the whole thing is tar. So, you hear that story. So, before we get into the six things that we keep as machmir, just let's talk about that story with the box of bones. Says the Gemara, time of the Lake of the Mechada. Listen to what Todas the doctor said. Dr. Todas said that I couldn't even find an intact spinal column. Oh, so maybe we can be diagnosed with that, that a spinal column, if it were intact on its own, could be matame. 
right? So he says, time of the lake of shedra de mechada. The reason is because it's not one intact spinal column. Ha'ika o shedra ogul goes to mechada. Right, that, right, so we already know that there's different thresholds. Some is to be matame, uh, and the threshold that we were talking about in the Gemara, which is how we got in, this, in the Mishnah, which is how we got here in the first place, is the shear to be matame to a nazir to cause them, right, to trigger them to have to go through the purification process and thus the head shaving. So the point here is that the way the docs uh, described it over there, in the basic Knesset of the Tarsim is there isn't even an intact spinal column. It's mashma that if there was either a skull or an intact spinal column, that it would be mitame. Uh, no, so so that seems to be oshad or ogogol tsunan. That seems to be that it's either talking about either one would be matame. You don't need both the shadra and gogolos intact together. However, the Gemara says lomi bayikamar. No, it means it's the style. Todas just said there isn't even a. There isn't even a intact spinal column, Lo, right? Lomi bai kamer means lomi bai shedra vegogos to be mesachad leka elafilo o shedra mesachad ogogos mechad leka. He was trying to. It's a figure of speech, Barry. But what Tudus the doctor was saying was, not only is there not an intact right spinal column and skull, but there isn't even an intact single skull or spinal column here. So in other words, the way he said it, he was lomi bai, right? So kalvachomer. There is, it's not metame because it's certainly not an intact spinal column and skull. And therefore, what was going on here was, with the, was that Dr. Todas was trying to say was uh, he was stating, right, overstating it uh, to clarify that, in fact, the contents of the box were not metame because he couldn't even find a intact spinal column. But to really be metame, he would have needed not only that, but a spinal column and a skull. I mean... That could be what he meant. The point is that it's ambiguous, that our second attempt to prove whether our Mishnah needs an intact spinal column and skull or just one or the other has not yet been definitively proven from that Bryson. And I know I left you to cliffhanger. You don't know what the six things are, so let's dig in. Seven lines off at the bottom of Nbezim and Aleph. Tash Mami Minyana. Maybe the very fact, the enumeration of the fact that there are six machloks in between Rabikiva, right, and the Chachamin and that Bryson can give us an indication of whether it is a skull and spinal column or one or the other. How so? Says the Brisa, Here we see. What are the six things that Rekiva was? Machmir and Metame? And the Chacham said no. Number one. So this is stuff that we already, we've been digging into this for days. So we're familiar with this. That if you have some sort of limb that looks like a full, fully intact leg, but you look closer, it's two pe- persons' leg put together to look like one legs, to put, like two persons' half legs, I should say, put together to look like one leg. So, Chavim say, that's not Metame, it's not even like a complete Aver from one person, and Rabbi Kiva says, it's good enough to be Metame. That's number one. Number two, Okay, interestingly, we, as we've already learned, an Aver Minachai, even though the original right, person that it was attached to is still alive, that aver itself can impart Tumah. And so even that, Rabbi Akiva would say, so in other words, the same case, which we'll see, is going to be relevant in a second, but even the same case, so to speak, but where both right leg owners are still alive, it's just their amputated limbs, would also be Matame, according to Rabbi Akiva. Uh, the third thing is, we've already discussed this, that when you have a Chatzik Kav, of bones coming from two mesim, and we've already discussed that it, that 
has to come from two mason, at least we know where the source is, but be that as it may, Rabbi Kiva says it's going to be Matame, and the Chum say it's not. That's the third. The fourth is, well, Revis Dama Ba Mishnaim. We talked about the Revis of Dam that came from two mason. That's where Rabbi Kiva would be Machmer, and the Chum would say it's not Matame. Amazingly, he splits the atom, so to speak. Whereas we've already learned that, you know, our uh, shear that we learned so many times um, from all the Mishnayas um, is, are that, an, a, um, that the requisite barley size of bone is what would be uh, metame. Rabbi Kiva says, even if you had fragments of bone that split and then you put together, Right, but here it would have to be not from Schneim, but this is a single corpse. But if you were able to put together, right, like a little bit of a fragmented bone that was even the size of barley, and you said, oh, wait, but this is from a single sor- uh, corpse, and we certainly can, right, trace it back to that one single corpse, so that there, that would be Matame, um, albeit fragmented, if you could put it together, it would be Matame, according to Rikiva, Chum said, no, 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 it has to be intact. That's the fifth machlokas. Vashedriva Gogolis. And the sixth machlokas is our topic. The shadra and the gugolus, right? The skull and the spinal column. Well, says the Gemara, as we turn to the Beis and Beis, there you go, Barry. Right? We counted. As we went through the machloksin, we counted five, and then we got to shadra and gugolus, and we know that six is the number of disputes. So if shadra and Gulgolis, each and of themselves, was a Chiddush, right? So then, and, and be Metame, so then those would be listed separately, and we wouldn't say that it's six disputes, but it would be seven disputes, because Shedra and Gulgolis would each be a dispute in its own right. Well, the fact that it says that there's only six disputed, right, Chumras of Rabbi Akiva, implies that Shedra and Gulgolis have to be as one, because that's the only way you could... Uh, contract these seven cases into six by saying that Shedra and Gugolis is really just one unit of a skull attached to a spinal column. However, the Gemara says there are different ways to contract these machloksin into six as follows. Says the Gemara. Kikitani, when the Bryce is talking about that there are six machlokas, and he gives you even a little mnemonic, Simon Kol Rabin. Maybe it's when it says that the six disputes it said, because what was the Lashon of the Bryce? The Bryce said, these are the six things that Rabbi Kiva is metame and the Chachamim are metaharim. Okay? And then it quotes either six or seven cases, depending on whether you split up the Shedra and the Gugolas. Well, turns out, when you dig this up, that was a pun intended, when you dig up these, uh, these bones, you will find out that it is true that Rabbi Kiva was... Um, disputing the Chachamim, but he was only disputing Chachamim on six of these, even if you counted the Shedra and the Gogola separate, he, because on one of them, he actually wasn't disputing the Chachamim and taking on the whole other rabbinic world. He was only disputing one dude, right? One other rabbi. And so when we said, these are the six that he's disputing with the Chachamim, one of these uh, is not like the others, and therefore it is chucked out of this list, and once you take that out of the list, you would need to include the Shedra and the Gugolis each individually in order to make up the count of six. That's where we're headed here. So says the Gemara, It's only where he's actually, right, uh, Das Yachid, right, in a sea of, of uh, con- 
contrasting opinion. Rabbi Kiva has his opinion. Lafuke etzim kisaora. Right? The case of the etzim kisaora, actually, he only disputed one other rabbi, the Yacharu de Palegale. Right? That, he's only disputing one guy. How do we know? Well, we have a brisa to that effect. As follows. Dutanya, etzim kisaora, shenechlak lishnaim. Rabbi Kiva metame, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri metaher. Right? So we have a, explicit brisa where when it comes to the barley-sized etzem, it was, a machlokas just was one individual. So when you list these seven things, if you're going to count the, uh, the uh, skull and spinal column as two separate things, when you list these seven things, right, the reason it's called six is because the, the bone, the barley-sized bone is not included in the list of six. Okay, that's one way that you can contract the list of seven to six without having to put together the skull and the spinal column. Another way is as follows. What we indicated before. That we said that Rabbi Kiva took the super morbid case of the leg that was an aver mina mace and put two persons' leg together into one leg and that he had that machlokas with respect to that and also with respect to whether it was mina mace or mina Well, the way you, it's really one and the same. First of all, we learn Aver Menachai from Aver Menames. It's really the same Limud. And so the same mechanics and the same Machlokas. So what we're saying here is that that Machlokas is really one. And therefore you could split up the skull and the spinal column because the Machlokas with regards to the um, two uh, different person's legs forming one leg is really applicable the same way to Averman and Mason, Averman and and therefore that is what's contracted. Averman and Mason, Averman and is really one case. That's a second possibility. Or a third way to contract this to six cases. V. Baisema, Kiktani, Kol Hecha Danazim Al Ahilo, La Fuke Etzem Kisar Delo. We already saw this because we're learning Masechas Nazir, and we pointed out that all of these other ones, right, the Revias and the, right, would trigger. Would not only, and we said, there's two different thresholds, as we already said. So one threshold is to be matame. And another threshold is to trigger a Nazir to have to shave his head, even if it was contracted by Tumasola. In other words, when a Nazir walks into a building where all of these Tuma, different Tumas that we mentioned in the Brisa, uh, were, any of them were to be in the building, they would actually be matame the Nazir, and he would have to go shave his head and go through the purification with the exception of one of these tumas, which is which one? Lafuke etzim kisaora delo. Right? That as we've already mentioned, that if you had a bone that wasn't the requisite shear, meaning to be matame ohel for nazir to trigger his uh, his his shaving, then then you would not right actually then he would not actually become tame in such a fashion, and that this shear of a barley size, even though it's enough. To be, and we already discussed this, even though it's enough to be Matame the Nazir if he were to touch it or to carry it, it would not be enough to be Matame him in a Nohel. And the Brysa implies that all these be Matame the Nazir categorically. He doesn't say that he has to do Masa Omaga, he has to touch it or carry it. it. So therefore, you would think that all of the cases we're disputing are referring to cases where he would be become Matame just by, even by an Ohel. And since that we know that that's not true in the case of the of the barley sized bone, so it's that, and we learned all this on Montessum Bays. It's that uh, case which is left out, and therefore we have six cases, even if we split up the skull and the spinal column. And now a fourth possible explanation of how to contract these cases: Aha, maybe we're talking about all the cases where Rabbi Kiva retracted. 
But there is one case that he took to the grave with him, so to speak. That when it came to the Revius Dam, Rabbi Kiva never backed off of that opinion that that would be Matame. So therefore, right, the, what's left is only the six other cases. How do we know that case? Rabbi explains about Kapara. Lo Tishne Revius Dam Bechazara. Don't we count, in other words, when you read the Brisa, don't we count the Revius of Dam? as one of the cases, remember, all of the other cases where Akiva initially disputed the Chavim and eventually retracted. But, so, so we say that one, you should not count among the cases. Because that one, Shaharei Lumudah, Akiva Biyado, right? Because Akiva, that teaching never left him. The Od HaMikra Misayo. Not only did he always hold on to this Revius Dam from two different corpses being the being the case that the halacha is that a revius of dam for two different corpses would actually be matame, but he even had a pasuk that he held would help him. That you can't approach dead bodies from multiple bodies. And therefore, he really held on to this idea that if it's a revius of dam for two different corpses, that it would in fact, that it would in fact be matame. We quoted that Bar Leibowitz, a great Tafiyomim master, thought that this was, uh, if I understood correctly, that the brisker Rav thought that this Pasuk maybe was the source also for the idea that instead of a Urvius, it would be a Chatzi, uh, right, as, as we arrive at the symbolic time, 6.13 a.m., that that also might inform some of the Shi'urim of the Tumah. Be that as it may, Rabbi Kiva held it on to the double sources of two different, right, Mesim, creating their blood, creating Urvius of Dam, and therefore, that one he never retracted. In fact, we have a brisa to that effect, a story. Ready? During his entire lifetime, Rabbi Kiva was metame. Whether he retracted after he died, I don't know. What does it mean if he retracted after he died? He was saying it tongue-in-cheek, Barry. I spoke yesterday to my brother-in-law, who's a big tzaddik. Atara's oldest brother is the tzaddik of the family. He's a man beyond reproach, and a real, real, like the most principled person I know. Really an inspiration. He really is. Um, but when my father-in-law, Oliver Shalom, passed away, so he had taught women his entire life. And my brother, and we were trying to set up something, Le'il and Nishmasa. I mean, he was a real force in his community in Silver Spring. And so they set up a base medish program. That was very nice. And the question was, should that base medish program be open to men and women or just to men? So my brother-in-law said, come on, pasnish, like you can have a base marriage program for men and women. So we said, well, you know, uh, Abba taught women his whole life. So he said, yeah, but now that he's in the Olam Ames, you know, I don't think he would want this. <laughs> so meaning he just meant that it didn't, it didn't feel uh, like that's what he, that would uh, be necessary. Now, it's a, it's a funny perspective, right? And it's a tongue-in-cheek perspective because and so that's what Rashimon says. He feels so strong, like, you know, listen, everybody disagreed with him on this point. So now that Rabbi Akiva's in the Olam Emes, does he still hold to this? I don't know. But in his lifetime, he held on to this fact that, that the blood from two sources is in fact Matame, okay? Now the truth is that, do I have to apologize to my brother-in-law? I, he was a big tzaddik and he was just making a, you know, an observation of an opinion. That's what he really meant. But Rabbi Shimon was very sensitive to what he had said about Rabbi Kiva, and he felt that it was disrespectful. And therefore, Tana Hushkur Shanim Yosef. Rabbi Shimon 
felt so bad about saying that in a tongue-in-cheek way that may have implied something derogatory or Kiva that he fasted so much that his teeth became darkened, okay, uh, as a consequence, okay. Felt really bad. 17 lines down in Bezim and Bez. Okay, so now we don't know, Barry, whether we mean a spinal column alone or a spinal column together, right, because we brought four different ways to, to interpret the Brysa to figure out do we mean a skull and and a spinal column, or one or the other. And we still can't figure it out because we're not sure. Tashma, so let's find another brisa. Okay, Bechama is talking about bone transmitting Tumas Ohel, even if it's from multiple bones, or even two or three sources. Bechama says, Rova Minagvia, Merova Binyan, Merova Minyan, right? What kind of What's the shear that would transmit to Masohel? It has to be a cortikov of, right, of the majority of the body, whether it's the majority of the bones or the majority of the, uh, of the skeletal, right, frame. Right, so it's unclear. Are they arguing that it could be from two or three or it has to be the majority? So Rabbi Yeshua says they're not really arguing. They're just describing the same thing in different ways. That... Bechama is trying to explain that when he says two or three bones, it means either two shin bones and a thigh bone, or two thigh bones and one shin bone. Right? What they're basically trying to say is that that would be how you together piece together the majority of a, of a man's height, which is really what Rabbi Sila is saying. Because what they're saying is if you include the hands and feet, right, so then maybe it would also be Godel Minion. In other words, they're both trying to give examples. One is trying to give example of the majority of the skeleton, and the other is trying to give example of the majority of bones. But they're both trying to just illustrate that same thought. Whereas Shammai, Shammai is not Beit Shammai. Sometimes you have the Rosh Hashiva, and then after he passes away, like the rest of the Talmidim, taken in a different direction. Shammai was the, the OG, right, Shammai. So he was not, so he could be cholek on his later disciples. And he said, Afilu omina gogolis. So at the end of that, Bryce, Shammai says that even if it's a bone from the spinal column or from the skull, right, then it would seem to prove that each one would be independent because Shammai, again, the way he said it was even a bone from. He didn't say that it has to be a fully intact uh, spinal column, a fully intact skull, but the fact that he said it that way is that even if it's a bone from the spinal column or a bone from the skull, makes it sound like, even though he's cholik, right? Nobody would agree with him that even a bone from would be matame. He's the most machmir, Shammai, the, old, the elder. But... At least the way he phrased it makes it seem like that's what we're looking at. That's the task at hand. That's what we're arguing about. Just the skull by itself or the spinal column by itself. However, the Gemara says that's not a proof either. Shiny Shama de Machmer. Oh, we don't know. Shama is Machmer. He holds that even a bone would be. So Kalvachomer, if it's an entire spinal column, he would hold that it's Matame. But it could be that the rest of the world held that the spinal column would only be Matame if it's attached to a skull. And therefore, Shama's opinion here even though it's formulated as if the skull and the spinal column are detached from each other, his opinion doesn't really teach us about this, our particular issue, because it's so machmir that even the bone from it would be matame, and therefore you could disregard it. Right? Lish, lish shot me not. Time of the shamai machmir, you have to take out beit shamai. I mean, we're talking about shamai the elder. Maybe the reason is machmir is because, is the reason why 
in this case, we're treating the skull and the spinal column separately because he is so machmir. But the Rabbanon would disagree with this entirely. Not only did they say that you would have to have an intact uh, spinal column, but they would also say there would have to be with the Gogolus attached. So that is possible. However, low. Or you could say the other way, that the Rabbanon are actually only arguing about the spinal column and the Gogolus. But where the spinal column is intact, maybe only one of them. So that could be the Machlokas. But we're not sure. So let's resume tomorrow, eight lines up from the bottom of the Bayes, Ahmed Bayes, to resolve more with, of these issues of the bone and the tumma imparted therein.